0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Digital Masters Podcast. Today we're going to be talking to Lauren Pope, and we're going to be talking a bit about TikTok, what are some of the misconceptions, what are the opportunities, and what are some of the strategies she's using to drive traffic to her blog. We'll also be talking about how to balance social media and blogging as a way to drive traffic to your site. So let's get into it. Hey, Lauren, thanks for being on the show today. Appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I ran across across you first on LinkedIn. I I saw, I think you might even have commented on something of mine. I can't remember exactly how that happened, but then I, I just took notice to what you were doing. You were posting really specific information on LinkedIn about content, organic content, SEO, and um, and I I just noticed that and I thought it was really cool because it was you were showing results and graphs and and I, I think that stuff's always the most interesting, at least for me. I know it, it depends, but. Uh, And then I noticed that you were also on TikTok and you were driving traffic to your your blog from TikTok. And I was like, oh man, I really got to have you on here. I'd love to talk a little bit about what you're doing. I'd love to talk about TikTok. And uh, so I thought that would be a cool thing for us to dig into.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to dig into it because a year ago when I started this whole thing with TikTok and posting on LinkedIn. I. Um, didn't really have a plan for where it was going. So to get to a point like this is just exciting for me.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, And so I guess let's start with with TikTok, because I think at least when I run into people, I'm I'm on there. I haven't been using it a lot, although I plan to. But uh, I think there's a lot of interesting opportunities there. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about what do you think are some of the misconceptions about TikTok in terms of like who can use it? Who's who's using it? what, What are the opportunities there? Like, what have you learned there that other people could 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 gain from your experience there?
1: Yeah, so I think TikTok has a few misconceptions. I think the first is obviously that it's an app for teenagers. I remember when Instagram came out when I was in high school, and I heard the same thing that Instagram was for teenagers. And now look what has happened to Instagram with what marketers did once they got a hold of it, right? And so I think the first misconception there is that it's an app you can write off because teenagers use it. The user base is so diverse. It was one of the most popular apps in the Apple App Store in 2020, and the growth isn't stopping. So I think that's the first misconception is that nobody my age with my interest is on there. Um, I think the second misconception that is maybe more niche and more specific to marketers is that you have to create content on TikTok to see the value. And the truth is people are gonna be talking about your brand on TikTok the same way they talk about your brand on Twitter, whether you're there or not. So even just having an account for your social media manager to monitor can give you some great insights or opportunities to create content. So you don't even need to really have a plan to get started, just an account and someone managing it and looking for those opportunities.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that what you were talking about in terms of the misconceptions, I think that's a good place, or a, a good insight, because, you know, every channel starts off with a certain group of people on there, and then it expands. Yeah. So like, I mean, like, like you mentioned, Instagram, did Instagram did the same thing. So it's like, if, if people are, if people just all they have to do is really look back at what happened in the past, and just apply that to what TikTok is doing. And I think if, if if we learn anything about these, these, these stories that repeat themselves is that if you can recognize that, if you can recognize that TikTok is going to grow into a much more mature platform, they're talking about doing longer videos, all these different things that I hear about, mm-hmm. then you can be one of the first people on the platform learning the skills, learning how it works and uh, taking advantage of that and being, and being like the first one there instead of being like the last one there.
1: Yeah, I mean, and if I can get candid with you, um, I'm really glad I got on TikTok a year ago because it is so much harder to build a following now. And even someone like me who has a year of content and a loyal fan base and I post almost every day, my following count has like grinded to a halt and it's something that's happening on TikTok the same way we saw on Instagram where brands are getting invested now, marketers are starting to pay attention, TikTok is looking to see how they can monetize stuff, and it's getting harder to build an organic platform. So I see Clubhouse, and some people are like, Clubhouse is it, and other people are like, what if it's not? And I think that is my real issue with TikTok and Clubhouse and all of it, is when I talk about these great things that I've experienced and learned from, Creating a platform there, people say, Well, what if it's not the next Instagram? And it's like, Okay, I still learned how to create a following. I started a blog from this. I know how to edit videos now. I still learned something. So I think that's another missed opportunity. Don't wait to see if a new platform is going to pay off. Like, be the person who makes it the payoff. Like, be the early adapter. And even if It's not the next Instagram or Twitter. You've learned something new and you can use that somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I I, kind of gleaned that from uh, Gary Vee. I started following him last year and he would always be talking about that. It's like everyone's just always worried that they're going to be, that they're going to put all this investment into something and then it's not going to pay off. And I would say, just from my own experience, like a year ago, before I started posting video on LinkedIn, all that kind of stuff, it's like I didn't know how to even get on video. You know, I yeah. wasn't even comfortable getting on video. Like that wasn't something that I even had as a skill. And like, even if I had never uh, gotten any business from LinkedIn, b- which I have, but even if I hadn't, just the skills of getting on video have been huge. I mean, not, I mean, just like professionally and personally, because it's like getting mm-hmm. on video is one of those things where, you know, when you, once you learn how to do it, like you just feel more confident as a person in general.
1: Um, I totally agree.
0: Yeah and then on your point on on TikTok as well like one of the things that I think have, has been cool for me even though like I've mostly been consuming on there just to kind of see what people are doing I have made several videos as, though and that has helped my content on LinkedIn because mm-hmm. like on on LinkedIn it's like there is a certain like I don't know it, it depends on like who you follow and all that stuff but you you do see a lot of the, a similar content on LinkedIn and one thing that I, I gained by going to TikTok was just learning what other people were doing there and what other creative ideas are there. And even just reposting some of my TikTok videos on LinkedIn, it just gave me a whole lot of different um, perspective that I think has helped. So I, th- I think you're right on the money that getting on social media, learning how to create videos, learning how to edit, learning all these different transitions that people do, they're just skills that you're gonna take into the future because things aren't gonna change, right? This is only gonna get more intense as time goes on.
1: Right, and it's one of those things where when I was first learning about SEO, I didn't realize I would one day have a career in SEO. You can't know what is going to speak to you creatively or what you might have a secret skill in or even what might be applicable to your next job. So it's good to, especially in a consequence-free environment like TikTok, it's not tied to your job, You don't have to pay any money to see the organic success it's just a time investment and i don't know i just don't see a lot of downsides and i see a lot of resistance to it so it just for a career like marketing where people claim to be so curious i'm like why is it why are more people just exploring this or giving it a go you know
0: right yeah totally um and so like when how how do like how did you think through your and maybe you know i won't I, i how did you think through your TikTok strategy? Like, did you just start creating videos? Did you have a strategy or did you just kind of figure it out? Like, how are you? Like, what does your funnel look like, so to speak? Is it just to get uh, subscribers on your newsletter or for your, your blog? Like, how did you think that through? Yeah.
1: So, I started TikTok because I have a very trendy 21-year-old sister who sent me a video and I was like, "What is TikTok?" So, that's when I created my account and I was on there for about a month, and then I made a video of my friends like going out and getting lunch, pre-COVID even. And it got like 700 likes in an hour. And I was like, okay, something is clearly going on here, and I need to get to the bottom of it. I have a background in social, so I was like, I need to at least know what this is. And from there, I just was tinkering with it for about six months, just building this following. And by the time I reached about 20,000 followers, I was like, maybe this should be something more integrated. I work in marketing and I do this professionally. Why, why not start a hobby blog, just see what happens? And so it's just always kind of built on itself of me trying this new thing. And I think that's what the TikTok and blog thing has really given me is this sandbox to test ideas that is not tied to my job so I can be very creative I can be very ambitious I can try weird stuff and when I start seeing that works I can go you know when I worked at G2 I could go to my boss Sarah now where I work at Oracle and say hey I tested this out on my blog and it worked so let's give it a shot so I didn't start TikTok with anything in mind I just I found it and it was sort of this creative outlet that became its own thing and I think that's important to be honest about because you don't need a plan to build something cool. You just need to be willing to experiment and learn as you go and ask questions and be ready to fail and just pivot. And so I think that was where I saw a lot of success was, I wasn't really tied to an outcome. I was just kind of seeing where it took me.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And so from, from TikTok, how do people ultimately get to your website? Like I went to your page and I know you linked to your, your newsletter and your blog. Do you you take any other sort of action? Do you like have calls to actions in your videos to to take a look at your website? Or is it pretty much just your profile picture that points to your, your newsletter?
1: It's pretty much my profile. And that's actually interesting to talk about because my TikTok strategy has shifted since I started seeing that SEO Um, payoff on my blog so when I first started the the blog for about six months I was solely driving social traffic and I would create videos I would create like three to five videos for every blog post I did just supplementary stuff that would all point back to it and hoping it would you know blow up and people would follow the link to it and I scraped for like six months and I got like just shy of 7,000 blog visits and so at the beginning of this year, my first blog post ranked on Google on the front page. And that got me 27,000 visitors in wow. three weeks. So and I am personally not as invested in the social strategy anymore right now. I'm yep. very curious to see how this disparity plays out between the social and the organic traffic.
0: And, and yeah, so, so when you're talking about the, like the organic traffic are you? Are you just saying that Google picked you up and recognized that this is a a good article and is 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 driving people to your site? It's not. It has nothing to do with with the SEO or with the the stuff that you've been doing on TikTok.
1: No, and I was seeing a lot of like fall off with my social tra- channels, and it was taking so much time. So I like over this like holiday break spent a good deal of my time just reorganizing the SEO structure of my website and being like, you know what? I know how to do SEO and I'm just going to see if I can make this work. And I thought it was a nice little experiment because you know, I do post on LinkedIn a lot. And sometimes I feel people might read my content and say, Oh, that's easy to say you work at G2, you work at Oracle. That's a company with Uh, you know, a high domain authority, you have an internal SEO team, you have a lot of backlinks, of course you're going to write content that ranks. So this astrology blog was kind of a test in, can I make this work on a website with no domain authority, 11 blog posts, and no backlinks? And you can. It just takes nine months of writing content that doesn't rank and then getting lucky once. And then that's when it starts going off again, you know?
0: That's interesting. So you, you didn't do all of the, the normal things that people tell you to do, like all of the, you just, you just kept writing. And then you you wrote, were, were those all like, so I, I'm not an SEO expert. So, so be patient with me, but all of the other, all the other articles that you wrote, were they like pillar posts or were they just
1: kind of. Yeah. So, um, doing like the the typical long form keywords. So, so I, I run an astrology blog. I don't know if we established that. So it's a, it's a niche, it's a hobby blog. And so what I did was did SEO research on the ranking websites and found, you know, what topic clusters do they have? What long tail keywords are they writing for? What are questions people are Googling about astrology that I can write a blog post and answer. And I didn't use SEM Rush or anything like that. You know, I used, my own, because I, I can't use work stuff for my personal blog, <laughs> um,
0: right.
1: so I just did it on my own and using that strategy and my outlines and the on-page SEO stuff I learned while working at G2, I was like, I think I can just make this work with a good, long pillar piece. And yeah, the one that ranked, it's 4,000 words, it took me three weeks to write, it took me another week to edit, and it took two weeks to rank. So. I think when people talk about content, they get worried about this long game. I'm going to be writing, I'm going to be writing, and when is it going to pay off? But the truth is you only have to write it once, and then from there you can just edit, you can fine-tune, you can update. So it's a long investment on the front end, but that post ranked overnight when I wasn't paying attention. And next thing you know, I have 15,000 visitors to my blog that have never been there. So yeah, that's I think crazy. that's an interesting point.
0: Yeah, that is really interesting, especially because like I was thinking about doing some of this stuff over Christmas. And for a wide number of reasons I I didn't it didn't move forward with it. I do have like this really long article that I was doing on thought leadership that uh, that I want to publish that I, I need to get get finished. So did those other articles that you wrote that didn't get a lot of traffic did, did those do you think those played into the success of the one that did or is it purely just that the the one that you wrote just happened to be really valuable and Google knew that it, that people would want to read it.
1: I think those first posts really are important to the structure of building a new website because when you write about the same topic over and over and over again, Google will start associating my domain, my name with this topic. So the first five articles I write about astrology, I'm a new blog. I've got five new blog posts. Google is probably like, okay we'll see if, this, if she keeps blogging in two weeks you know when you start getting to like the six month the nine month I'm still writing about astrology I'm still posting new stuff even though nobody's reading it that signals okay this person might be a topic expert that is just on a new domain and so those supplementary pieces help build the base level authority for the the one piece that mysteriously takes off and you see that because now those early posts I wrote Although the traffic is not as you know, wide as that one post, they are, it is gaining, the rankings are slowly climbing. And as long as you stay consistent with that publishing, you can hopefully see that SEO benefit pay off in the rest of your earlier content.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And it's interesting that, that, that I, run, I run across this with you right now because one of the things that, and I just saw you did a post, I don't know if it was recent, but you were talking about like, don't let people tell you that SEO is dead. Um, and I, like you get all this marketing advice from the Internet. And like, I, I will admit, like, that's one thing that I kind of that kind of caused me not to write as much on the, the blog is that you know people talk about how voice is going to kill SEO and all that stuff. So like, how do you process that kind of thing? Like, what are you obviously it's not dead. So like, w- what advice do you have for people on SEO?
1: Um, I would say If anyone is telling you a marketing channel is dead, pay attention to what they're trying to sell you in a different post because very frequently people are trying to position their version of marketing as the one that's best. With something like SEO, as long as there are people searching stuff on Google, there's an opportunity to get in front of the buyer. And organic SEO has such a huge payoff especially if you integrate it with all these other channels that you are creating. And I'm a huge believer that content should be educational. And so what you have is, you know, all these companies that have a blog that they're not using to educate their customers, they're just telling them you need to buy CRM or you need to buy marketing automation. They're not telling them why, they're not telling them what it will do, how it will benefit them, how it will save them money. And so they have this wasted channel of a blog where they just talk about their awards and their product and then you have this huge organic opportunity with Google and it makes so much sense to me to just put those two things together and create a resource that educates the consumer until they're ready to purchase your product. So I would say SEO is not dead, it's evolving, it's a gray area and you're going to have to be willing to invest the time and the resources and be okay with not seeing the payoff for a while but when you can make it work, there's nothing like it.
0: Uh, yeah, just like having somebody just continually send you traffic.
1: Cause, yeah.
0: Yeah, because like uh, like on LinkedIn, if you stop posting, all of a sudden you're just you just disappear.
1: Yeah, and and you don't own your channel on LinkedIn either. And I think that was the other big point that I don't remember who posted it on LinkedIn. It was like end of last year, but someone made a great point where it's like if LinkedIn shut down tomorrow you don't have those contacts anymore. And if TikTok gets banned, which like that was in talks in the middle of last year, I lose 70,000 followers. And so this owned channel of my blog was very important to me because I thought, you know, if everything does go to the wayside, I have the blog and I have that loyalty and I have that traffic, I have those newsletter subscribers. So I think it's also just a pivot in my thinking of owning my creation and channels and maybe using social media to promote what i make and relying less on the platforms to reach my audience
0: yeah that's interesting cool well um i'm starting a new a new project with a client i I thought i I might get your your opinion on some like how you might go about the like the content strategy on this because we do plan to do social media and write some some articles on the site so one of my new clients is Basically, creating this 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 internal project where they're going to help create a, a Shopify store. They're going to help take a Shopify store from from zero to a million dollars in revenue in six months. And what we're going to do is basically document the process there. So my client, is, you know, just does hyper growth with Shopify stores. Helps them, you know, from you know the distribution of the product to advertising, Facebook ads, uh, logistics, all of the all of that stuff. So we're going to document that project in terms of like the strategy calls that they have, like actual tactical stuff, like how do you install this plugin, that plugin. We're just gonna record this stuff and um, start to publish this stuff on social media. And then we're also going to, and and we are gonna use TikTok as well. And then we're also gonna create some ongoing newsletters that kind of pull some of that content that we release on social media together and kind of continue to to document this process in more of a written form, where we're, we're writing and then also, you know, you know, taking some of those videos, bringing them onto a page, and then writing a little bit more in depth on them. Um, and I was curious, what you thought, like, how would you start to think through a project like that, and start to break it apart, and like, what, what are some things that either you might ask me, or what you might do if you were doing
1: something similar? Yeah, so I think with something like that, you need to Um, Know which content you're creating with an SEO driven perspective and which content you're creating to be kind of a tactical guide And that's something we did at G2 when I worked with the product marketing team We were more focused on making sure they understood why the product was good versus is this going to rank on Google and so it's something so tactical. I think it's great because I think a lot of Influencers who share their secrets. It's really just they share one secret and then they want you to subscribe to their Patreon for 20 bucks. So right. I think the best strategy is give your best stuff away because that'll make people follow you. I think content should be educational or funny and if you can do both, you're set. I mean, look at Gong um, right, yeah. and they're just tearing LinkedIn apart every day. Right. Um, it's because they're funny and they're informing people. So if you can do one or the other, double down on it. If you can do both, that's great. And I think with the split strategy of TikTok and the blog you have a great opportunity. You use the blog to inform and educate. And you use TikTok to be a little silly to let, you know, let loose a little bit and kind of find that balance and that way it creates this sort of channel that feeds into itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That that's kind of the plan and then uh you know, also trying to try to drive some people to subscribe to kind of follow along, you know, mm-hmm. so um we haven't talked specifically about trying to to rank on SEO, um, but from, from your experience, it sounds like that would be a, a good investment, especially since this is a six-month project. And, mm-hmm. um, But I, I guess someone would have to, well, I guess that's the question is like, how, when, when you're doing research for an article or something like the, one of your long form pieces of content, like how much research do you go, do you have to do in order to like create that article. Because it's just like, uh, the only reason why I bring that up is because all of this stuff takes time, right? As, yeah. And, and trying to pull off a project like this is gonna be, there's gonna be a lot of, a lot of things to think think to think through. So also adding in like SEO research and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I guess I'm just wondering like how how important will that research be in order for it to rank well on SEO?
1: if you're solely creating a piece of content to try to rank on the front page of Google, I would say your outline and research is probably 60% of the work I see. before you start writing. You should have all your headers. You should have your URL slug, your meta description. You should have all your related keywords. You should have the structure totally laid out so that anyone could pop in and start writing it. And I think that's one of the things that, really changed as I got further into content. I'm a writer, I got my BA in English, and G2 was my first tech job, and I came in thinking, my writing skills are gonna take me everywhere here. What I realized as I got through it was, the outline, the research, being very meticulous and purposeful, that will save you time, and the benefits are much better. And so, yeah, I guess for something that's just a tight six months, maybe less of the SEO focus. But I mean, if you get something going and people really start liking it, there's definitely a point where you can start pivoting to, okay, if you like the six month strategy, here are a bunch of playbooks we have coming down the pipeline, subscribe, share, it can turn into something much bigger, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's always the challenge I'd have, I've had with SEO is like doing that upfront up research and like integrating the, the kind of the tactical SEO stuff with the writing it's like, it, it, it always just seemed very, um, and I know it's just like you have to do in order to get the experience to do it. It just, it just seemed kind of hard to pull all that together.
1: Yeah, I think of content like a big puzzle. I mean, you, if you really think about a well-structured blog post, there's a finite number of things you can put into this, right? Original data, quotes, videos, Um, a unique thought leadership point of view. These are all value adds, uh, downloadable assets. And so when you look at a piece of content that you're looking to write, the first thing you should do is go straight to Google and see what's already ranking, because if something's ranking, it's ranking for a reason. And then say, how do I make it better? And you make it better by adding stuff the other guys don't have. And so to your point, you're creating this thing where you're showing people how you're building it in real time you know all the SEO in the world can't give you that kind of insight into watching something grow as it's happening and so I think good content no matter what form it takes needs to have a unique point of view and something different it can't just be the same stuff that's been parroted off by your three competitors on their blog you need something new and you need something exciting and something that gives people value and makes them Ask questions and say, "How? Oh, I didn't think about it that way before." What else do I not know? I need to talk to these guys. I need to get involved with this company. See what they know that I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think, that I was... think that's
1: the future of content, really.
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of like why we're we're excited about this project because because everyone talks about like you know like document versus create, um, mm. and uh, but it's 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 not easy to do to like literally just like record yourself and like pull it into a cohesive story that people can follow. Um, so it's challenging, but I do think it'll be pretty unique and like, you know, it's like I, I think Gary Vee kind of like, uh, what's the word, he kind of pioneered that type of, that mm-hmm. content, at least from like for my, maybe other people are doing it, but at least from my perspective. So it'll be fun to kind of try to figure that out and, and really do a good job at it. But I, I think the other thing that's interesting about content too is like, just like with TikTok, TikTok and getting in there and experimenting, there's all, you can't really plan it out too much. You kind of have to just get into it, start piecing things together, figure it out. And uh, I think that's that's the challenge, challenge and also the fun of it.
1: Yeah, if you plan too far ahead, you might hit your goal, but you will miss new opportunities that could have risen up and it's funny you mention that because I think about the early days of when I was doing TikTok, and I had my first thought where I was like okay I should do something serious with this because I'm a marketer and I should act like a marketer and I should really try to crack this egg I should try to figure this out and I ended up ruining my content for a few weeks and people were like unfollowing me in droves and I was like, what is going on here it's because I was trying to control it too much I was trying to I was trying to lead my audience where I wanted them to go instead of listening to them tell me what they wanted me to make. And that was the worst my channel ever did. And the moment I stopped trying to control the conversation and I just started saying like, well, what do you guys want to know about? It, it took off, you know?
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that I, like, I, I could get better at is like really asking, like just knowing better what people want. Because mm-hmm. like everyone thinks they know what what people want, but it's rarely the case. Um,
1: I think marketers are too smart for our own good. I think we overthink it very, very often.
0: Yeah, yeah it's interesting. well um on that note do you do you play on any other platforms as well, or is it mostly TikTok and LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, it's mostly TikTok and LinkedIn right now, the blog. Um, I started a new job in January, so just trying to find my footing there. But who knows? Maybe um, maybe I'll be a clubhouse star by December. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I've definitely wanted to get in there. I just like priorities, right? So it's like I, yeah, I haven't I'm trying not to jump on every bandwagon that I hear on. Although I do think it's important. And it's it's not because I don't think it's cool. It's just that I'm trying to keep my priorities straight and like make sure I Make sure i do i figure these other platforms out before i just add another one
1: yeah that's i have the wandering eye too i'm like i should do this and this and this and it's like girl you have a blog that's like finally doing something like focus on that
0: (laughs) yeah that's cool yeah and there is something cool too that i like about i i like video i don't know there's something neat about it and uh, i know that audio has its place too but I don't know. I've really enjoyed getting out there and putting myself out there. So like that's one reason why I think TikTok is I I've, I've been gravitating towards that cuz I feel like that's a challenge. It's like it's easier to be on audio and uh, not not be seen, but like to put yourself out there uh is on video is, is hard. So that I I I've almost just from a mindset perspective, I've been I've been doing that.
1: Yeah. I can't tell you how many times when I first started making TikToks, I would get through the whole thing and I'd watch you back and I would just delete it. And I'd be like, Nope, I don't want to post that one. And yeah, it's because like, there is a level of vulnerability that comes with like recording yourself and just posting it and being like, all right, let's see if people like me. (laughs) So I think once you can get past that though, you can really surprise yourself. I think, I'm surprised by how much more comfortable I feel on camera. And I think it's allowed me to loosen up a little. I think it's actually impacted my writing because I allow myself to get a little more creative, a little more loosey-goosey, you could say. And I think he said, yeah, it's an overall confidence thing, like you mentioned earlier. And it takes time. You have to... I still can't hear the sound of my own voice sometimes. I'll get there <laughs> someday, but <laughs> yeah. baby steps, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I've become a better writer too. and. Because I, I will script it not not for uh, LinkedIn, but I'll I, I script out of a lot of my initial LinkedIn videos, and mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of written posts as well. And um, my writing has gotten a lot better. And I, I'm dyslexic, so like I was never good at writing. But what I like about social media is that like, it's always real short. It's that that short form, and so I think that's been it's been cool to like write a lot more, and uh, just hone those two crafts. So.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and if I think about the kind of writing I've done in my career, you know, I got my BA in English, like I mentioned earlier, so just like long essays, so it should be no surprise that I like long form content and SEO. But like you mentioned, LinkedIn is so much shorter, and it does require a certain snappiness. I would say something closer to copywriting, which um, if you had asked me two years ago, I would say was my weak point. So it does kind of force you to exercise these skills and muscles you're maybe not as used to. Like, even though I'm a writer, I'm not as great of a copywriter as someone else. And you know, posting on LinkedIn, creating snappy TikTok captions that m- forces me to be more strategic with my words, which makes me better at that short-form content in the long run.
0: Yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting. It seems like like copywriting and content writing, I know they're different. But they they starting they are starting to merge a little bit because like these these arts are kind of they force you to converge a little bit because like on social media it's like if no like you do need to grab attention and so like in order it's like you want people to to read your longer form content but sometimes you got to learn how to grab attention quickly and um, so it it seems like the the two arts are kind of mixing a little bit.
1: I would agree, and I think. It's so interesting that we're finally having this conversation about the different types of writing in marketing. When I started my career, um, every job posting was like, you're a social media specialist and a blogger and you do support and you're a copywriter and an email marketer. And it was just you know this whole lumped in thing. But now we have people who are making a name for themselves just being copywriters or I'm just the email guy. If you want a great email trip campaign, that is the thing. And I think it's so neat that we're finally um, allowing each of these disciplines to shine but encouraging them to collaborate with each other like you said and push everything towards this higher level. I think that's what has really changed in the last year with everyone posting on LinkedIn and sharing. it, It doesn't have to be the Gary V's of the world you're learning from anymore. It can be someone, your peer, at your same career level or place in their career that is doing something and you stumble upon them and you go, hey, this can make me better. So I think that's so interesting. It's so different from where marketing was when I started.
0: Yeah, and and it's just like in general, I think that's what social media is doing is it's allowing like-minded people to connect and share Mm -hmm. information. And then that, if you're willing to, if you're willing to niche down and like say you, you specialize in something if you're brave enough to kind of do that and you're you're willing to kind of do that long enough to where you kind of break through a little bit then you end up meeting the people that need that skill or that or are interested in that if you have the ability to kind of fight through that initial resistance that you will get where somebody doesn't quite know or you get the negative feedback whatever it is it's it's interesting that if you're willing to niche and you're willing to publish you will find your tribe, so to speak. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but it's it's really true.
1: Yeah. And that was one of the reasons that I was so insistent on posting the numbers behind what I was doing and the graphs because I had to learn that stuff on my own outside of work. If I wanted to take what I was learning at work and take it to the next level, I had to do it on my own. And all of the people I was trying to learn from were kind of telling me how they were doing it and kind of giving the secrets away, but no one was saying like, I did XYZ, here's what happened, here's how long it took, here's how much money I spent. And I was like, that's really what I need to know. So when I finally got that success, I was like, I need to be practicing what I preach. I need to tell people about this because if I'm going to be experimenting and doing this stuff and learning. On it, why not give it away? You know, I'm already six months ahead of everybody else. That's yeah. how I look at it. If I'm giving this information away, I've got six months on you doing all of this stuff. So it doesn't hurt me that you know how I got here. If I keep doing it, I'll keep being ahead. So I think there needs to be more sharing. And I think that is what LinkedIn has really opened the world up to. You know, People are willing to give that information away that previously they would have guarded a little closer
0: right yeah yeah you got to be brave to do that too that's that's why i'm excited about these these two projects because it's like we're really just going to go behind the scenes and like show everybody what's going on i think that's going to be pretty cool challenging it's be awesome. yeah challenging but fun well cool so um i appreciate you being on, the, on here like tell us a little bit about your blog or or what you'd like to share about what you're doing and then uh, how people can best get a hold of you
1: yeah so my astrology blog Looter and lilac it's about astrology obviously um it's not quite for astrology beginners but not the super advanced so if you're somewhere in the middle with any sort of lingering interest there's probably something there for you i run it with my friend from college it's just something we kind of do infrequently and then when i'm not doing that i'm working at oracle and posting on linkedin where you can find me there um yeah and that's pretty much it
0: oh yeah and i'll I'll link to your stuff as well
1: awesome thanks
0: well, cool. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. I know that you're, you're doing lots of stuff, so I really appreciate you being on here, and I think I think this was a fun conversation, so I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me again. I appreciate it.